I'm just gonna stay hydrated this pod. This pod is brought to you by H2O. <laughs> just a couple of molecules balling out. What's H2O? It's uh one hydrogen, two oxygen. Nice. <laughs> Chemistry boy, let's go. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. We're going to be talking soccer, life, playing games, playing mind games. We got a little something for you. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Footy Fellas Pod, F O O T Y, Fellas Pod. The title race is on officially in the Premier League, lads. Would you agree? 100%. 100%. I think we all knew it was on, but then. Um, but then City was City. This was like City's wake up game. Their their kind of stamp on just all of the competition. The little hey guys, like you guys can go back to sleep. Like don't worry, we've got this. Like just just sit down, just sit down and be quiet. Was the game? Do you guys remember if it was it was the game at, at the Etihad or at Stamford Bridge? Stamford Bridge. Oh my God! Even more? Are you kidding me? They just walked into Stamford Bridge and. I only saw the highlights. Easy, uh, I think you may have saw the whole game, but the from the from what I saw in the highlights, it looked like. And let me know if I'm wrong. Like City was pretty out and out dominant. I, I did catch the first half um, because I then went on a little jog. But the the first half was, it was. All right, in my notes here, I've got this is one of those games I imagine watching with my future kids and constantly pointing out the beautiful plays. Both individuals were making and the whole team as a collective. It was on both sides. I'm not even just talking about City, but I mean, there are countless things City was doing extremely well. They pressed and swarmed the ball um, on as Chelsea was trying to play out of the back, play out of the back, which they do and they like to do. City was swarming. I'm talking three players, sometimes four, around the ball all the time, completely messing up the Chelsea rhythm and. Chelsea would inevitably just turn it over. Now, Chelsea, on their, you know, Tuchel's uh, st- strategy was to bring in Timo Werner, who started alongside Lukaku, for the speed. So if Chelsea, you know, had to clear it, they could just clear it over the back of uh, the City defenders and hope Timo could could run onto it because he's so fast. It was a decent strategy. I saw it work uh, once in the first half where Timo got, got in up a nice pass from Alonso and uh, whipped a ball into Lukaku that, didn't, didn't go anywhere but you know that was what Tuchel was hoping for but oh my god City technically everyone was astounding one two touch beautiful pop 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 it's just the style of play from City my god I hate to say it but they are the best team in the Prem and they proved it uh, again against Chelsea so hats off to them serious question for you I see what age do you envision your kids learning about the high press at what point can they comprehend the beauty of city's strategy of pep's glorious mind five six years old yeah i mean look i never was taught the strategy behind soccer until i started so we started fully fellas honestly i didn't even look at strategy that much uh, growing up or playing i just you know just try to score a goal you know work it with the team it was at five or six i think correct me if i'm wrong that we learned we can pass backwards 
you know, when you're younger, everyone's like, you know, forward, forward, forward. <laughs> Uh, and then you learn, oh, wow, there's a whole new dimension to this game if you can play backwards. Um, and I think once kids learn the backwards pass, the full press, the strategies, that's all fair game. I mean, passing period doesn't exist until like nine. <laughs> all right. You, you had me, Eli. You got me. Or maybe age four. Come on. There Cut was us some a, slack. Um, I think it was like a, a tidbit of a athletic article or something that was talking about how this um one uh this one parent who was like a gm of a you know of like an mls team i might be making this up but they were at they were at their son's game in like the east coast or something um like they're they're like six years old seven year old and um the ref doesn't show up for the game or something so one of the parents of the opposing team volunteers to go in and, and ref the game and uh and they were grateful that he had volunteered to ref the game until soon thereafter, this ref kept on pausing the game to rearrange and put the kids in the right positions because they needed to learn where they were playing. And uh, it wasn't until after the game that people learned that that parent was Pep Guardiola, who's like was on vacation <laughs> and like was helping out whatever and just jumped in and wanted to ref and and the, the point of the article or what the, the the story thread was nodding to is how like, American sports are so built on like, let's, you know, learn how to win the game and score the goal and stuff like that as a, and, and how can we make each game just like, you know, one over the other versus actually trying to learn and play the positions and, and grow, which is such a, at the hallmark of like Barcelona and Ajax development, youth development, European development. You think that's a real story it, that, that it was Pep? I, I know that it was, that was the athletic was the article. Story, the article. Is it true? I, I'm, I could I could see it. I could see Pep. I could see him having the attitude where he hopped into a game like he it was like his family or something. But he could totally hop in there and then like, like you know, Pep. right. And I could totally see him also doing that. Like he's like the point of your age is not to like have a game and play it completely play it, but like you 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 got to learn and grow into these things and don't worry about the scores. Just you play right back. You're right back. This is what you do over here. You stay over here. You work in this space. I, I believe it. I believe it. And, and in turn, you could tell that he has um, coached a pretty good team currently in this Man City side. <laughs> that's true. That's that the value. Be. I mean, that's the value of the MLS growing so much and just the popularity of soccer is for the next, you know, we're starting to see it with this generation of youngsters, obviously themselves playing. But for the next generation, you're just going to have a lot more folks watching soccer with their parents or with their friends at age 10, whether it's the MLS or Premier League or some other league. And that gives you so much more understanding while at the same time, hopefully you're just playing for the love of the game and just getting touches and having fun with it. And But but parallel to that, you're watching soccer and you start to understand some of the tactics. Like you're, you're talking about IC. It feels like such a game changer for our you know integration with football on the world stage. Quick comment on what Jones is saying about, you know, Pep and young players in, instilling in them the importance of, you know, positioning and learning really to love the game and not all just be focused on winning the game. And that, I think that's, we talked about this in a, in a further, in a past episode where, you know, the Europeans, I think it was Ajax was the specific club we were talking about. Any team besides the first team, the whole mindset from coaches is getting the players to love the sport. It's, love the sport, try new things, play with confidence. Like those are the key goals 
uh, for the players working their way up. It's not win, win, win. You know, record is secondary. The idea is, right, if you have those components built into players, the wins will come, right? That's just sort of the, the mindset, which I agree. I think it's a something that we could learn here in the United States. Do you, Eli, think that City is without a doubt going to win this league now? No, no. <laughs> you know, it's like there's like a Holland, like how he just answers questions very no. briefly. He's like, no, yes, no, no. Yes. Yes. yes, no. It's still so tight at the top. That's why I'm excited to talk about Premier League action. Let's come back to that question at the end because then we'll have we'll have thought through in great detail all of the implications from this last weekend weekend of games. We're through game week six now. Not completely because we've got Crystal Palace Brighton tomorrow, which turns out to be a really exciting game and have implications for top of the table. Who would have thunk it? But let's go game by game from this past week. We're doing a bit of a Premier League deep dive. Give each of our takes on the games we were able to watch, some highlights we were able to watch, and what it means for each of these teams involved from game week six in the the Premier League. Sound good? Mm -hmm. Sound Gucci? Sounds great. But does it sound Gucci? Like the it brand? Sounds, it sounds more Givenchy. Yeah, it sounds yeah. more <laughs> Dior. More gnocchi than Gucci. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about first? Should we, should we go Man City Chelsea? We started to dive in. Should we start there? First game of the weekend? Let's do it. You already gave a good um, you know, intro analysis. It's just the high press tactically. Does it, did it seem like Pep outdueled Tuchel in that way? You'd say he he won the battle this time around. I do, but there's also one thing that Fox and everyone should consider, and that's Chelsea is more of a defensively minded team. City is more of an attacking minded team. So just by the fact of of that nature, we knew the possession would favor City. We knew that that would be lopsided, and so we're going to take that at its face value as being dominant by City. It was sort of in what the outcome, what we expected. Um, but I do think, you know, it, it was actually close. The, the goal City scored wasn't that great. It was a deflection, got past Mendy, um, sort of fortunate for City. So I think City did enough. Uh, they kind of got away by the skin of their teeth, I would say. Um, uh, so yeah, I think Tuchel and Pep were... It was close. You know, the, the strategies were um, pretty pretty equally. Uh, they were on par with each other for the most part. It's got to feel good for City, though, walking away with that win, even if it's just a, a regular season Premier League game versus a Champions League final. But revenge, no? I mean, it's uh, it's revenge. It's funny. There's, um, there's another post floating around saying, like, <clears throat> if Chelsea had won... No, if Chelsea had... Yeah, if Chelsea had won, it would have been like, uh, you know, Tuchel is now 4-4 four and four against Pep. Like, he's won every single game. Unbelievable. If they had tied, they would have said, uh, you know, uh, Tuchel's still undefeated against Pep. And then if they had lost, which they did, it was like, meaningless game, no one cares who's <laughs> like, you know, like, the, it's early on in the season, who's who's watching. But it does feel like it's um, not just a revenge game, but it was like it was a tone. It was setting the tone for like the league. It was like putting putting the league on notice is essentially what City did. They said, no, we didn't get a proper center forward 
we don't need one. You know, we, we have a team that can still break down whatever's back line. I, I thought someone's point about how um, it felt like uh, Tuchel tried to play anti or tried to play against Pep more than just try to play to win for Chelsea. And because of that, it, you know, that's that's kind of what happened with City when they lost in the Champions League. They tried to cater more towards Chelsea's team instead of just playing their game. And it seems like that's you can't do that at that level when you're playing. I feel like when you're watching like City and Liverpool the past two or three years, especially like a year ago or like two or three years ago when they had a couple of games, like they're in such a high level that you know if you're trying to if you're trying to do things off rhythm from what you normally do, it's gonna you're gonna you're just playing on a knife's edge. You're gonna fall. You're gonna be the team that fails. You have to play your game. And at that level, I mean just said he's legit their defense i mentioned this right at the beginning of the season that city's defense is underrated only because their offense is so prolific and such big names but they have arguably the best defense as well in the premier league and that's what's if they're going to win the title that's what's going to get them there they have so many shutouts during the season including now one nil against chelsea one of the you know the other top teams, if not the second best team in the league, fighting for first, basically. And you've got Cancelo, who continues to rack up assists and just be a powerful outside back. And Diaz, player of the year last year, Laporte in the middle. They've got Stones in the bench. Um, you know, Kyle Walker is a beast on the right-hand side, and they're just so solid defensively. It's hard to break them down. So if they just keep racking up shutouts, they don't even need to score a ton of goals. They don't need a Harry Kane if Jesus can poke in one every once in a while, of course, Foden's going to get some, Graylish, De Bruyne, um, you know, Mares, Silva, everyone off the bench. They'll get a couple goals, and then their defense is just going to be the reason they win the league. And it's not like, again, only saw the highlights, but it's not like City didn't have very good chances in that game. Like, that goal they did score, yeah, that was kind of like a deflection, but Mendy had some incredible one-on-one saves, you know, Graylish had a one-on-one chance. Oh my God, that's right. Some other players. Incredible, like just poke from from Mendy. So like, you know, it very easily could have been, you know, an offensive runaway. But Mm -hmm. to your point, without an Aguero out there, like the defense shows out too. Yeah, absolutely. Just a quick comment on the defense. I'm glad you brought it up, Eli. You know, not only is their defense extremely good city-wise, but they don't even need to rely on their defender defenders to do well because they press... Their midfielders and forwards do so much work um, and they work so hard up on top that the defenders are really sort of the cleanup squad. I mean, those guys up on top pressure, force turnovers, and they pretty much play defense from attack, um, which is, and they do it so well. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Phil Foden was working incredibly hard. He was sprinting. Granted, I watched the first half, but sprinting everywhere when Whenever Chelsea backline had it, he was the first person to force them a certain way and make them make a decision. You love as a defender because it makes your life so easy. Like you said, your cleanup crew, you have more time in the ball when it gets there because the other teams spread out. It makes the whole game easier when everyone else is working off the ball and you can just be positionally sound and then the ball just comes your way. <laughs> or they have, the other team's forced into kicking these crazy long balls and you just dominate possession. So City do look like title contenders and, and beyond as Buzz Lightyear would say. (laughs) Title contenders and beyond. 
That was from uh, Star Wars, <laughs> the fourth one. Just thinking Disney Channel taking um, taking on taking Premier on League mornings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who'd host that. It's like the Nickelodeon slime. Exactly. NFL games. Have you seen those, Icy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they have, you know, when someone scores a touchdown, there's this like fun slime animation. And it's a field goal because <laughs> yeah. it's sponsored by Nickelodeon. Yeah. Like, That'd be funny that. if they brought that to the Prem. Yeah. Tinkerbell. I don't know. Like what? Dumbo flies across the screen. I don't know what what I'm missing here, but there's a lot of opportunities. If someone does a bad dive, they get the poo-poo platter from uh, Bugs Life. I did not know what that was from. Good reference, though. Great reference. I won't take all the credit for it because it gets repeated in uh, the Sheehy family group a lot. It's it's a popular one, popular line. Shout out to the Sheehy family group chat. They're uh, the family. It sounded like a super pack or something. The, the Sheehy family pack, like family crew. It's the poo poo platter pack. Come on, dude. PPP. Let's move to Man U. Speaking of speaking of poo poo platters. <laughs> P.U. <laughs> Tough one for Man U. Man U Villa. I just watched the highlights, so I'm willing to go later on. Did either of you catch pieces of the actual game? I saw the last 15 minutes of it, so the 75th on, and I feel like that's all you needed to see. That was all. That was the. That was pretty much the it's game fair. right there. Um, there's a. I, I. I haven't actually watched the highlights. I. I have to do that. I think it was too painful to to relive. But it seemed like uh, the headlines were that Shaw and McGuire both got hurt early on, which then changed things from Ole's brilliant master plan that he absolutely had like he he totally had a whole system set up but oh you know those poor injuries um and then what it ends with it ends with a uh a nice near post finish for courtney house is it yep and then uh, and then united win a pk and our boy bruno skies it and uh there's more there's more in the mix there but uh, you know do we need to vividly relive each piece probably probably there's some smack talk going on in the box there there's some there's some stuff but united lose and ole ole is a joke i think that was the headline the one thing i saw from the highlights that i wanted to call out was greenwood did not find ronaldo in advanced positions where either it was literally a two-on-one or he could have fed him and given Ronaldo a chance to go at the defense where they were they had a move going forward. And you have to be selfish as a striker, but I wonder if there's some complex for Greenwood who is this young rising star and you bring in the greatest player of all time to play a similar role kind of and be the goal scorer, be the main goal scorer. And now he he feels the need to like produce stat-wise. There was uh there was some talk uh, on one of my United pods of, uh, of how like they, they spent a solid two minutes talking about it because it was a thing that they all noticed and they were like, oh, you noticed that too? Yeah, I noticed that. Where in the West Ham game, I believe, um, there was a um, there was a time when Greenwood was open and, and Ronaldo like shot it or something and Greenwood like threw his arms up. Like I was, like, I was right there or whatever. And they were like, no one, you don't react like that to Ronaldo. You don't, you don't do that. Um, and they were loving it. Cause they were like, oh, this is like young Rooney. Rooney would have, you know, flipped out. Of course he would have like, that's classic. Like, it's great to see this personality. 
I question it. I don't, I don't know what the highlight was in particular. I wonder, I don't, I don't see Greenwood having that personality, but yeah, I mean, my early, my early panic button slam is like, yeah, it looks like Ronaldo doesn't work in this team. Like doesn't like he's gotten some goals, but there's clearly, he's not going to work back on defense. The goal is get him swing, swing the ball into the box, find him. That's not the way we've been playing. Just it, it, everything feels off kilter. And Ole is a hundred percent at the center of this. Let's freak out, but it takes time. It's it takes early time to adjust. We'll see the, the team at look, the other optimistic stuff they were saying, cause we care cause we care about United on this pod. The other thing that they were saying is, uh, which is hilarious because they're talking about like trouble winning a trouble and shit. They were like, look, listen, the last trouble team or the team that <laughs> won it. Yeah. The trouble team that won in like 2000 or something, 99, 2000, like they didn't really pick up until like December, you know, it took them a while. They were like, they, they, I think they had like not won it. And at the end of the league, they had, they had had like maybe like close to 16 games that they didn't win. So they were ties or losses, which feels like a lot, but it was also a different time in the league. And, you know, a lot more parody then. But nonetheless, um, they were saying, you know, if you don't want to peak now, look at City last year. They didn't peak until mm-hmm. a little bit. And then they just kind of ran away. Won with every it. single game for the rest of the season. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's keep rolling. Less, I'm just moving down the list on the, the old Google search, but happy to, to jump to different games. Next one up, Leicester Burnley. 2-2. A tie. Another one for Leicester, who has struggled. I see. What's what's going on with Leicester? Very brief here. Watch some of the game. Vardy had an own goal for the, the first goal for Burnley to make it 1-0. Super unfortunate for him. He got his own actual goal for Leicester later in the game, which is good. Uh, but, you know, Leicester's really been struggling. Burnley is, I'll, I'll be blunt, they're trash. And, uh, you know, tying 2-2 to Burnley is bad. Leicester City is, what, 12th or 13th in the table right now? No one's talking about it because everyone, I think, has taken for granted Leicester being competitive, top six. They are not. They are not anymore. I don't think. I think we can. There's solid evidence to say that they are. They're weak. They're a weak team. I'd be a top 10 finish for Leicester, maybe eighth. That's where I see them. It's always tough when you don't see the behind the scenes of the practice literally just practice sessions and fitness and guys working together because it's weird. They're not starting Madison. Pats and Daka, who they got over the summer has not played that much. And the players they did get that are, are playing more Lookman on loan from Leipzig and Sumare, who they got from Lille, they have to step up, but obviously they, you know, Rogers is probably seeing something in practice and has working out tactics and they just fit best with the squad but it's interesting because they're struggling pretty majorly so far. And you wonder with how much spending some of these other big clubs did and got the Grealishes of the world and Lukaku and Ronaldo and Leicester have been that good of a team the last couple of seasons that they've been challenging for top four last like three years. And so to see them in 12th and the, or see them in 13th right now and think, wow, there's no, you know, they really don't look good. Like you said, I see it's weird. They're, um, they, um, Losing Fafana, Wesley Fafana, to an injury feels a little like too much. Like I don't think he was that that important to this team. That losing him suddenly, the the spine is crumbling. Um, it, it does feel like perhaps there's a little bit of a, you know, it's it's the first time they have Ricardo Pereira back in the mix. Um, uh, they, they've they've got some newer pieces they're trying to figure out. So maybe maybe they'll turn around. I would feel confident 
it does feel like it's a little shocking for them to be this low, not winning some of these games, giving up some silly goals. They feel like a team who in the coming weeks or months, I mean, it depends also on their Europa League games and stuff like they got a lot going on, but they could be a team that suddenly starts clicking and then you're going to want their players on their, on your fantasy team. They could, they could really start banging in the points. Vardy's a must have. He's the only sure bet right now in fantasy. Because he just he finds a way to score regardless, whether it's on his own net or two on the right net, Vardy will always find a way to score. <laughs> Everton, two nil over Norwich. That's the next game up. Norwich, we we previewed their possibility of winning one game and when that will happen, and it was not this week, which we predicted. So yeah, we're, we're <laughs> we know the Premier League. Let's just say that. <laughs> another week, another Norwich not win. <laughs> is that a is that a Twitter account yet? Has you know has Norwich won and then they either tweet yes or no every week one of those kind of accounts. Let's check it out. I don't think so. Probably oh, that, that's a great account. We got to start it. Bob's follow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think there's much to take away from the game. Didn't see any highlights. Didn't watch a minute of it. But um, Norwich are just the punching bag of the league, as we've said. So Everton, surprisingly, I saw they're in sixth in the table, which is pretty pretty good. Uh, Good for them. I don't see them remaining that high in the table, so they can enjoy it while it lasts because it won't last long. <laughs> Agreed. Reminiscent of last season when they were top of the table after six games. <laughs> but I look back at their schedule. They've beaten Norwich, Burnley, who you just were blunt about, and Southampton, who have been all right against top teams but are just not as talented. So three of their their four wins are against those teams. You'd have to think they'll they'll fall off. But good for Everton. Good for Everton. Setting themselves up to hopefully fight for those Europa spots later in the season. That's probably where they will be at. West Ham leads. You uh you're popping off in the chat about this one, I see. Seemed like an exciting game. Didn't didn't catch the actual game, but did watch the highlights. What what went on here? Two one in favor of West Ham. Yeah, I caught the full second half of this game. And First half was when Leeds scored the goal. They were up 1-0 at half, and Rafinha had a beautifully nice placed goal. Um, he's been playing really well for, for Leeds. You know, this game was heart-wrenching. Uh, I do like Leeds, and I, I hope they stay up in the Premier League. Right now, they're in that 18th spot, which is really sad to see. Uh, they're still winless, uh, so they, they did lose 2-1 to one in this game against West Ham, which was brutal. So, beginning, start second half, it was, it was very much Leeds ball in terms of attack 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 and it, the game was so open that's what makes watching Leeds so fun is that both teams had chances and what Leeds does well is when they're defending and the ball gets to you know a defender they steal it or whatever they're right on the front foot pedal to the metal I mean they just take it all the way up the field and get chances it's just very quick up and down however uh what's his name on uh Bowen Bowen on West Ham had a double deflection goal, so it was one-to-one. And at that point, which was in the 75th minute or something like that, I don't know what happened to Leeds, but their whole team just collapsed. There was a mental switch that 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 got triggered after that goal, and it was just terrible to watch. It was, it was, it was very bad soccer. I was shocked that they were playing like this. It seemed like they had it drilled in their mind that no matter where you were in, on the field, like if a defender had the ball, you were only allowed three touches maximum, and then you had to kick the ball as far up the field as possible for whatever reason. There was just no rhyme or reason to it, and it would always go to the West Ham defense, and West Ham would just continue to 
press, you know, pound them, pound away. It was, it was very bad. Really hated to see Leeds give it up. And then the 90th minute, uh, Declan Rice makes a little bit of run. He, he gets the ball, makes a run, kind of a cross field and whips it back to the center where Antonio's streaking down and touches it around, you know, a newbie Shackleton uh, at defense and then puts it away super nicely. It was a brutal game for Leeds to, to not get any points from. Uh, I, I figured even going into second half, it'd be really nice win for them. And one to one, I thought they could they could see it out, but to go with zero points, it's not looking good for them right now. Well said. Well said. West Ham's clearly still a like a a, a very relevant team in this league. Um, took down uh, mega super giants um, like just world beaters Manchester United earlier in the week, and that probably helped their confidence <laughs> as they then. Um, cruised to another not really cruised they battled their way to another victory um uh do we think that west ham finishes fifth like who it's the the question it feels like is who's going to finish fifth this year is fifth going to go to tottenham arsenal west ham leicester uh brighton well we'll get there in a bit but that's probably the answer uh norwich no probably not (laughs) Feels like West Ham's making a making a very strong claim. Uh, Antonio, Player of the Year, at the moment, so far, probably, fantasy yeah. player of the year by far, easy. Yeah, that's a good question, Jones. I think we should uh, re- circle back at the end of the pod. We've got a couple more games to discuss, break down, but first we're gonna hit up the icy Twitter bot who has some new and relevant info for us. Beep, beep, boop, bop, boop, beep, beep. Breaking. Antonio Rudiger of Chelsea is set to make himself one of the highest paid defenders ever with a 400,000 pound paycheck per week. The Chelsea center back is free to talk to clubs from January with Bayern and Juventus both keen. Deal done. James Rodriguez has joined Qatari club Al Rayyan from Everton. And more Chelsea news. Chelsea want to extend the contract of three of their midfielders, N'Golo Conte, Jorginho, and Mason Mount. Twitter bot out. The Rudiger um, development is pretty nuts, considering he was literally just sitting on ice like a year ago, like maybe less than a year ago. He was had been on the bench doing nothing on Lampard's Chelsea team, like completely isolated. And now he's turned into, he's been revitalized. He is the new big, a bigger deal. Like he's really been pretty impactful on this team. Highest paid player or highest paid defender in the world though. Right. It's like, no. How does that happen? No. Do you think that's his team pumping out info into the world? I see. What's your. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a combination of his PR team probably being doing a really good job and also his stats i'm sure his stats back up some of it but you know in soccer stats come other players help your stats you know his def- his defenders who he plays alongside Azpilicueta, marcus alonso i mean and and the people in front of him, i mean angolo conte Jorginho. you got these great players all around you they make you better his stats look good don't tell the full picture yeah it's just it's funny timing because there's actually a I saw an article online going around more of a rumor than anything that 
uh, I, Eli, actually might get a contract to be the highest paid person at my company. Really? Sort of soon, or in the off season, potentially. There's a lot of Twitter, a lot of buzz A lot of chatter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've been seeing that pop up. Which, and I would understand why that seems impossible to some folks, like given right. my role, given that I've been here for three years, right. and it's a pretty big company. Right. But yeah, I just saw that online. I thought it was interesting. How did, how did Twitter bot miss that thing? Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Rudiger, maybe it's like a, a alphabet thing, like Antonio showed mm-hmm. up in one of the first few stories and Eli was, you know, too many stories down kind of thing. Mm, that, that's how the news works. <laughs> that's how the internet works, right? <laughs> That's why you don't see any stories on Zimbabwe. Like there's <laughs> nothing happening in Zambia, I'll tell you that. <laughs> nothing going on. Good stories from the icy, icy Twitter bot. Thank you for keeping us updated as always. Beep, beep, boop, bop. Back to Premier League. Watford, Newcastle, 1 1. Do we want to comment on this game? Should we keep rolling? Give double the time to Liverpool, Brentford, possibly the game of the year so far? I have nothing for that game. The Liverpool Brentford one? Nothing. Yeah, let's spend all of our time talking about Watford. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Ben Foster and goal. <laughs> let's talk about the lineup. We've, we've talked about let's go lineup. We're gonna go team selection by team selection. Just talk through the logic there. The one goal for Newcastle, Longstaff, beauty of a strike from outside the box for Newcastle. Foster got a hand to it, and I'm really rooting for him since he's been doing his vlog, his cycling GK vlog on YouTube. Like a lot of folks are, have just become not fans of Watford, but fans of Ben Foster. So to see him in goal, see him get a hand to that and not be able to push it wide, even though it was a nice strike, was tough. That was my only emotional reaction from that game. Liverpool Brentford, 3 3. Crazy game. Crazy game, and I'll actually be brief to uh, maybe you, you guys. Um... A surprise to you both. Um, you know, Liverpool still have problems at the back, obviously. Uh, but Brentford is very much a legitimate team. This was a, a game that, that has cemented that into all Prem fans and managers, you know, across the league. Uh, they never give up. They have grit. They have no superstars yet. I mean, you could argue Tony's becoming one. They have no superstars, but they have grit and they have the determination to win every game. And they battle till the end. So those are my takes. Like it. Love it. Gotta have it. I think um Sponsored I think by Coldstone. Only saw the we're actually doing this from a Coldstone <laughs> table right now. There's they're literally just like flipping ice cream on the table in front of us and like rolling whatever the fuck they can find. So if you hear people singing for tips, sorry about that. <laughs> we just keep tipping them. Can't help it. I yeah, I only saw the highlights, but the the effort, like all of those goals from Brentford, it was very it's very like Sheffield season one, and I feel like I'm naming like um like see like movie series or like you know TV series, but like Sheffield season one, Wolves season one, uh, name a team when they came in the prem, uh, Leeds season one, like they come in and they're just like ah, they have so much energy <laughs> and. Uh, and they throw bodies forward. Like they do what Leeds kind of does. And, and like Sheffield, they, like they have to be offensive. They have to be good defensively, but then you have to like commit and create some chaos. Don't let, don't let um, these big six to big four clubs just own you. You have to kind of fight back. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, totally. They're, they're just, they're good. They're a quality team. I think people are going to, I think, 
all right, so Brentford, are they fifth? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like let's talk about it. Is this, is this a conversation we're having now? Is it Brentford who's in fifth now? I mean, are you asking state- us or are you asking the person making your ice cream? You're not looking at us when you say that. <laughs> yeah, I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have fifth. <laughs> Why do they keep mixing your microphone into the ice cream, Jones? <laughs> it's because he ordered cake batter. It's extra Oreo. Crumbles. Ooh, wow, that sounds great right now. Brentford, I did them so wrong by putting them 20th in my preseason rankings that you can call me a dingus for the rest of the season. A dingus? If you come on the pod <laughs> and you're famous or not famous, you can call me a dingus because I'd respect that you listen to this episode. Episode 80, I want to say. It is 80. Crazy. Crazy. Brentford is for real. They're absolutely for real. And so is Liverpool. Jota, we were just watching the highlights this morning, the, the full, full highlights. And he scores. Is it true that he scores a weird amount of header goals I see? Or is that just a selective thing? I No, I think that's got to be. A, uh, it feels like he does. For how how small the player he is, he really gets on the end of these uh, with his head. And that's the only reason I said a weird amount. He is 5'10". He's not short. He's not short, but... In the he he's just in great spots in the box, for for playing a winger like not being an up top striker he he finds himself in awesome positions and and timing wise knows when to get get on the end of balls. And it feels like he scores. Score. He's like it's like a guerre. I mean, it is. It's like a it's like a dude who like you know that they're great. Like you are you are clearly a world class a top tier striker or attacker if you will. If you are at least a foot or like closer that's that's extreme here, but like you are much shorter than the, the back line. If you are Messi's height, you know, if you're like five, seven, if you're Guero, five, six, whatever, and you're still winning headers in the box, like you're finding those spaces in between the two, six foot, two, six foot, five defenders. uh, I mean, you're doing, you're doing next level stuff, right? You're finding, you're creating space. I, I it's underrated. I'm just I'm saying let's put it like there's a watch out. All right, we're putting putting a, a watch, <laughs> an alert for Jota headers in the box. Just looking out. And they don't have to count his goals. Just how many times did he have a good chance from a header in the box? And and when you see it, just we'll make a note. We'll make a note. We'll be like, oh, that's interesting. He's doing this at a higher rate than Peter Crouch. Hmm. Peter Crouch hasn't had a good opportunity in several years now, and he's really tall. So and he's super tall. So Jota's very good. Clearly. My math checks Saber out. metrics. Right. Yeah, hey, I do second. You know, I think Judge has been really good. He's very intuitive in the box. Um, and I think he's the second best player on the team after after Mo right now. He's been playing very well and deserves his starting spot. So you admit that Mane is a washed-up has-been? <laughs> I don't know where you're getting that from what I just said, Jones. So <laughs> Mane should be the best player on this team. And if he's not, then that means he is falling off a cliff. You're just upset that you have him on your draft team, okay, Jones? I definitely overanalyze him now, 100%. I feel like he's, he's like, they're just, there are chances. There are these passes that he has <laughs> that he's just like, he's not making these simple passes. He's not putting these finishes in. He's not like kind of just beating people. Things that are like way, like like these are, you know, high, high fucking standards. Don't get me wrong, but it's like he would do those. He was like automatic like two or three years ago. He was unbelievable. And now it's just like, 
okay, where, like, where's this unbelievableness? Is it just, he's that known of a quantity or has his like X factor kind of waned away? How about this Jones? Let's talk. It, Cause you're so angry with uh, Sadio Mane. Let's, let's make a trade. I'll give you KDB. You give me Sadio Mane. Look, there we go. Whoa. That seems like an absolute win for KDB. <laughs> that KDB. Uh, I, uh, are you serious? Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no contract written or anything, but uh, I might need a couple more players from you, Jones. <laughs> KDB, okay. Look, KDB obviously has gotten me two points all season. He, he hasn't done anything. So That's true. That's true. Let's let's talk about it. <laughs> well, you work out the work out the details after we we finish our recording of the pod. Last two games, Wolves Southampton. Wolves second win one 0 over Southampton. Good for Wolves. Jimenez scores for the first time in almost a full year, and their defense will be the thing that that keeps them in games, and you know probably puts them middle ish of the table by the end of the year. Good stuff for Raul Jimenez. That's I think it was kind of an emotional goal for him. Also emotional for. Arsenal fans all over the globe. The big game this morning, 3-1 over Tottenham. Just barrage of goals in the first half. Tottenham looked horrible. It was, I don't know what Arsenal team, I don't know who that was. I don't know who we watched. <laughs> I don't know if if Tottenham, like you could argue Tottenham lost the game or if Arsenal won it. It definitely seemed like Arsenal was playing very well and Tottenham was playing very bad. It was like a perfect storm. You know, the, the one out of 10 chance in this battle for who's going to be the really the real poop of London is really kind of what this was. And they, I mean, three Oh halftime. It was, that was game. That was it. They were good. Players were clicking. It looked like Emil Smith Rowe and Saka were like, they're going to be world beaters for the next decade. Um, it looked like Tottenham. It was Tottenham of old. Like they're going to middle out. They're going to middle out theory. They're going to stay like, 10th ish, 9th ish, and I Arsenal, 5th. Is, is this happening? <laughs> is this happening? Are we having this conversation? I mean, they're not really playing in Europe, so they could have, they could, they could do it. All right, Jones, we're almost there. Calm down. Cool your jets, dude. Uh, Arsenal, look, great game for them. 3 3 1 was the ending score. Tottenham looked terrible. Good game. All the Arsenal fans can, can relish in the moment. Do not, uh, do not get your hopes up. I would not be putting money into this Arsenal basket. I think they are so up and down. Next week they could lose four zero to whoever they play. I don't even know who they play. It could be Norwich City and they could lose four zero. It's they're very up and down. Uh, Arteta still is hanging by a thread, uh, his position as manager. So good win to them. They looked really good. Kudos. They are not out of the the dark, the trouble spots yet. Next week, Arsenal has potential, potential league leaders, Brighton, Hove, and Albion, who have yet to play Crystal Palace tomorrow. But they've they've brought it to life. They've made it happen this year where they couldn't last year. So even if they go downhill, even if they get relegated, even if they lose every single game for the rest of the season, but they win today and go top of the table through six games, it will have been a good season for Brighton. Incredible. This is a, this now Now, here's a team, all right? Here's a team. Here's a guy last year that we were talking about is they, you know, XG, they, they're, they're whole known for, for just being an XG team that they had their chances and they just couldn't, they couldn't capitalize on them. Uh, they are good. Graham Potter is clearly good. I'm getting big. Um, maybe it's a little before both yours, yours times, but, but David Moyes, when he was creating this Everton team, 
that was just so uh, put together and well oiled for you know uh, and efficient for a team that just didn't have a lot of money at the time and per- overperformed uh, year over year. Uh, it seems like Graham Potter's kind of created that with with Brighton and you know could be the next. British manager who gets pulled into a, a top six kind of club. And then, and they're not too distant. He could, I could see him going to like Tottenham or something, you know, making that little jump. Um, but nonetheless, I'm excited for this Brighton team. I need Cucurella uh, to left back to, to have like a goal maybe, or an assist and a shutout and the uh, fantasy extra bonus points. And I think it would be a great week for all of us, um, but probably not going to happen. All right, Jones, you know what time it is? What time is it? You know what time it is? Tell me. Who's coming in fifth <laughs> in the okay. table? Let me, let's just remind the Fofs who we all predicted would be in fifth. Eli has Tottenham, had Tottenham beginning of the season. Jones, Leicester City, and me with the uh, arguably worst pick, Leeds United coming in fifth. So let's talk what we think now. Six games in. Jones, we'll start with you. You're antsy. You want to you wanna talk fifth place. I do want to talk fifth place. And um, the the thing is, I, I don't have a large enough sample size of watching these teams play to really get a feel for w- what they're capable of and, and like what their downside is. How bad can they really be? Um, because I'd like to think, the romantic in me would like to think that a team such as Brighton might actually have the capacity to uh, to to maintain a certain level of competition and, and overperform and stay up there, but realistically, I really do actually like. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still okay. I'm comfortable with my with my Leicester pick. Um, I wow. think that they are they they have a tricky run in in your in Europe and in, in the Europa League, but um, they're they're just like they're clearly underperforming right now. I think when they hit their stride, they are just capable of so much more. Um, West Ham is good. If they can keep this up for the rest of the year, I can see them squeaking in, into the mix. It's hard not to just want to pick a Tottenham or Arsenal. Um, but I I do like the chances for a Leicester. It's like a Leicester-West Ham. It's, it's not, it's not going to be a Tottenham-Arsenal kind of year. It's going to be one of those guys. Um, it's who, who's able to manage their depth well enough in the uh, year, year up competitions. Surprisingly, I like Leicester as well. They're sitting in 13th. I can't think of a different team looking at the current standings that I feel more confident to be consistent and do well over the course of a season than Leicester. So I like Leicester for fifth. The other, other ones in my mind are West Ham and Everton. I mean, I feel better about Everton than Brighton or Villa. Maybe even Arsenal or Tottenham, which is weird, but Tottenham has not looked good. Arsenal has looked good, but I don't trust them. So it's really between West Ham, Everton, and, and Leicester for me, and I, I think it's Leicester. What about you, Icy? Wow, two Leicester City picks. I wasn't expecting this, um, especially from you, Eli, Mr. Mr. Brighton boy, um, the seagull himself. Um, you know, there's a part of me because of the um, – the happiness for that team, for the club, for the fans, Brighton. Fifth seems a little high for them, though. West Ham's been playing so well. I think Brentford will be in the mix for sure. Um, just because, you know, I look at Brentford and Brighton. They're not playing any other tournaments, um, which I think 
it goes a long way come the snowy months of December, January, when everyone, you kind of see a dip in the Premier League. I don't know if that's just me that thinks there's a lull always that time of year, uh, but could be good health-wise for them. You know, I'm going to actually go with, oh God, I'm going to go with West Ham. I think I think I see West Ham steadily performing. They've got a good whole team. Antonio has been really playing out of his mind. I don't know if he'll be able to keep that up all season, but the team as a collective is good quality, good defense, uh, and, and good offense. Um, I think West Ham will do fifth. It's a good shout. Their lineup on paper is, it's just strong. Like Declan Rice and Sushek sitting together defensively, CDMs, will make you feel good about any game. And you've got some fiery options up top who can go on streaks, can cool off, but they could definitely make a run at fifth. And first, winning the league, back around, Icy, Snake Liverpool. Draft. Liverpool. Liverpool. All I'm right, gonna, I'm gonna go Chelsea. We really we're gonna actually split this. It's 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 City. This is the easiest money I've ever made. This is City, without a doubt. Are we not only trading Sadio for KDB, but also throwing money? Game week six, Jones. Are we putting title champion money down? <laughs> because I have twenty dollars to my name that says Liverpool wins this. And that's all you have to your name, so you better hope they win. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's my life. That's everything. Um, yeah, twenty bucks. Twenty bucks that Liverpool doesn't win. Okay, there, big guy. What are the odds there? All right, so if Liverpool wins, you owe me a hundred. If they lose, I'll give you twenty. Seems like good odds. No, I'm not. <laughs> that's probably about what the actual odds are if you look at the look at the real odds. Yeah, come on, Joe. Uh, I'm giving you a Vegas a, bet. You know what? I'll tell. I'll. I'll I'll take it, um, and the money can be used in store credits, though. Like you can store <laughs> twenty <laughs> pairs of socks. Let's go. Give me those socks, baby. Like we go on a trip somewhere, and like, like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy your dinner or whatever. We're, we're, we're out. A hundred bucks is ten gotta have it because Cold Stone is not cheap, and that's it's delicious <laughs> ice cream. This is, I've been wanting to say this all pod. It's delicious ice cream, but it is not cheap. Not cheap. No. Not cheap. I mean, all the amount of tips that you've been putting. Thanks in the jar. again. Hey, thanks again for having us, though. Local Cold Stone Creamery. Really appreciate you. Get out of here, kid. Hosting the pod. Uh, this has been an absolute honor and a pleasure for this live audience. It's very unsanitary for you to be sitting at our table like that. Huge, huge <laughs> shout out to the Cold Stone Creamery because if it's here, it's cream. Did someone call the cops yet? And on that note, we'll see you next week. I love you. See you next week. What's your favorite Cold Stone creation? Definitely Sprinkleberry. La Devotion du Chocolat. Strawberry Shortcake Serenade. German Chocolate Cake. That's how I roll.